Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Our mind has this powerful trick to talk us into believing what we're feeling isn't real. We can get through it until our body falls apart. When we're unable to get out of bed, when we feel tired and sick and lethargic, that's when our body is telling us, listen, you need to pay attention to that little voice in your mind saying it's time. And whether you love your job or you don't like your job, when you start hearing yourself, talking to yourself, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And then you find yourself just working even harder and harder. It's not going to quiet that voice. You're just going to run down your, your mind and your body, and you're going to start developing these physical symptoms. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and we are wrapping up the end of Mental Health Awareness Month and AAPI Heritage Month with an amazing creator from the AAPI community who is going to be sharing his journey to self-discovery and realizing that money is not the key to happiness, y'all. And you might be listening to that and say, what the hell do you mean money is not the key to happiness? This whole damn podcast is about money. Okay, I know, I know, believe me, 
But what if I told you that there is a very dangerous price that we can pay in pursuit of the ultimate success, all the money, and maybe, just maybe, we should open ourselves up to this idea that we need balance in life. And so I'm super excited to host Jason Vitug. He is a wellness expert, entrepreneur, and founder of the personal finance website frugal.com. He's the best-selling and New York Times reviewed author of You Only Live Once, The Roadmap to Financial Wellness and a Purposeful Life. Jason champions living experiential and purposeful lives through vision mapping and financial planning. And he's a certified yoga teacher and breath work specialist. So in this episode, Jason and I are going to talk about how he followed this traditional path to success that a lot of us get caught up in and the toll that it took on him and how he decided to make a drastic change in what he called success in life. So do not miss this episode. It's a good one, y'all. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you here. Thank you so much, Jenny. So happy to be here. Yes. Why don't we start off with you introducing yourself? Well, I'm Jason Vitug, founder at Frugal and author of the national bestseller and New York Times review book, You Only Live Once, The Roadmap to Financial Wellness and a Purposeful Life. I love talking about personal finance as it relates to our mental, emotional, and physical well-being. So big believer that money is a tool, a tool that helps us achieve our goals. And currently, promoting that concept on experiential and purposeful living through sound financial decision making. So there's 80,000 of us wellness warriors around the world purposefully seeking what what it means to live fully. So that yeah. is what I am about. I am super excited to dive into that, right? Because I think um, when I think of the traditional financial, personal finance narrative, it's very much like you have to suffer to get to where you want, right? You got to like deprive yourself of all the things and then you can enjoy life. So I appreciate voices like yours that are just like, no, it is not like all or nothing. We can enjoy the journey to becoming, you know, more prosperous, more whole. And uh, it doesn't have to be something that is excruciating. Yeah. Well, cause when it's excruciating, it's so difficult to actually keep ourselves motivated and, for instance, budgets, it's, it's often thought about as an act of deprivation. We're going to limit ourselves as opposed to a framework that helps us direct our funds and, and our money towards the things that make stuff enjoyable. The only reason we work is for us to buy the things that bring joy into our life. And I'm not too concerned if that is a nice Prada bag or, or Ferengamo shoes or a big home or living in a specific area in, in a community. It really matters on kind of aligning your values to 
your goals. And so that to me is much more important. And so we should be able to enjoy our money, but also we need to understand planning for the future is essential. So we get more of our time back to doing the things that we enjoy. Mm, yeah, I love this. And then this is why I wanted to talk to you. So first off, let's have you tell us how you got into this space, right? Like, have you always been talking about money? Did you grow up talking about money? What's your money story? Not at all. So I'm probably the accidental financial expert. I don't even call myself a financial expert. I like to tell people I am a financial wellness advocate, but uh, we never talk about money or personal finances at home. So I am a first gen. And so my parents broke generational poverty, leaving kind of their financial issues behind, making sure that they provided for us. So they wanted to make sure we never thought about money. All their life, they grew up thinking about money or the lack of money. They told me stories of them having days not having food and pretty much squalor. And so they wanted to make sure they protected us. And they thought by not having this conversation about money was going to protect us. But when you take someone from what essentially is a place of kind of generational poverty to an area like America, where there are opportunities that aren't present in kind of like the home country, it kind of things change. And so for me, I was a financial mess, a high achieving financial mess. So everything was masked around me achieving these career goals, these professional goals, and also attaining these like really wealthy status looking things. But ultimately, I was making all these like really bad financial decisions. But with that said, I worked in the banking industry and I kind of learned some tips of the trade and not kind of in the conventional means. I worked in banking in the branches. So I was having conversations with customers, people who were coming to me asking to get their non-sufficient fund fees reversed for the 10th time and others who were 30 years old and they would have $200,000 sitting in their savings account. And I'm like, how were you able to save this much money? But I didn't know I was having conversations with these customers. So eventually I, just like with many people, were ingrained to kind of follow the American dream, climb the corporate ladder, start buying the statuses that we've made it. And I did just that. I worked really hard. I was able to go to college after taking a year off. So my parents couldn't afford to pay for my college education like many other immigrants. And so I worked Newark Airport cleaning toilets, serving drinks to be able to save enough money to afford the first year of college and but was able to graduate. So that is a testament to the work that needed to be done. And then I got into banking and specifically branch banking and realizing that my whole financial story needed to change. My money story needed to change. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to this idea that like, we have to sort of make the sacrifice worth it, right? Like when our parents come here and, and we got to show that them leaving and, and everything that they've been through has some sort of purpose. And I think that manifests itself in a lot of our lives as like this need to overwork ourselves to show the success to, and, and I, I like what you said before about, um, the material status stuff, right? Like that's kind of how we're programmed to show that we've been successful. And I found myself doing the exact same thing, right? I was convinced that I had to make six figures and, and buy all the things. And then that would make me happy. 
And then it didn't. <laughs> and then you're like left with this existential question of like, okay, what the hell was the point of all of this? Does it that mess you up? It's like you've gotten out of the matrix or you, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, like this is not the key to happiness. What do I do now? And that's the one thing too. I like to stress to people that when you grow up in a household where your parents, our parents are escaping poverty or situations where they just cannot thrive. And like our parents are looking for ways to just get through to survive. And then you get to a point where they provide us the opportunity. So I, I love exactly. And I was like, this is why I love you, Janice, because that's exactly it. The sacrifice our parents made to give us the opportunity to thrive. And so for me, as I climbed up the corporate ladder and I got the fancy title, I became VP of marketing and business development. I was given the opportunity to be the successor CEO of my company, making six figures. I had two cars. Don't ask me why I had two cars, but I had two cars. I had a motorcycle. I was that guy. And then realizing that there was something more, something missing. And I think it's part of my parents' generation of believing there was much more to life than the struggle, the daily struggle. And so I had a very difficult time kind of figuring out my next phase as kind of like following that path didn't make sense anymore. And then I also had to rationalize that my parents made all these sacrifices to give me this opportunity. Then all of a sudden I'm saying, I don't want it. And so that was really messing me up. And then I realized, then what was all the sacrifice for? My parents made the sacrifice to give me this opportunity so I have a choice. And if I didn't make a choice to forge my own path or do something different, then their sacrifice wasn't met, like worth it. And, and so for me, I was like, okay, so I can, I can rationalize, I can reason, and I can feel better that all the work that they put in to give me the opportunity, I'm fully embracing. But it was hard work because we're so programmed to, to live in that lifestyle and, and then realizing we get to a point, and I think it's because of our culture and, and just uh, our upbringing in terms of there is something more and we don't necessarily know what that is. Yeah. And money, the finances is such a component of it. But uh, yeah, so that's part of my journey mm. is accepting the change and accepting that I wasn't going to walk this path that Ooh. my parents worked so hard for. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I feel like you're secretly tapping into my conversations here in my house because I have literally been wrestling with these exact same feelings. You might or might not know that I recently quit my job to pursue full-time entrepreneurship. and. I was more nervous about telling my parents than I was about me, like taking on that challenge. And I think it, it does tie into this idea that like, how am I going to just tell them I'm walking away from like this job with a pension, six figure salary, like the American dream by so many definitions. I went to school, I got two degrees, like I did all the things. And then I'm just like, no, I'm done. This is not my thing. I want to go do something else. And um, I think that pressure keeps so many of us from really pursuing what we want to do because we don't even feel like we have the permission to dream that or to be that risky, right? I think that's what it it looks like for so many of us. It's taking on this unacceptable level of risk that doesn't jive with the sacrifices that our parents made. That's absolutely right. And 
One of the key things too is that in the places our parents or grandparents come from, they just wanted a good job. And then so coming to a country where there was jobs available, that is a step up. And also coming from a household where it's just we're multi-generational households. We, we're not just taking care of our partner and our kids. It's our parents. It's our uncles and our aunts and our cousins. It is a multi-generational and a bigger extended family. So those are kind of one of the things, too, that I realized why having this conversation with my parents were difficult because it wasn't just about me. It was culturally, we were, there, it's a huge extended family. And if one person makes it, there's kind of like this underlying uh, conversation or thought that we're supposed to be supporting everyone else. And not that I felt that pressure, but it is part of the culture that you're going to support everyone else uh, in, in, in one way or, or another. And so, yeah, breaking that. And, and I can remember the time I had to tell my family and my friends I was doing exactly what you were doing. And they thought I was the craziest, the wildest thing. They thought it was, it was great, but it was the, the, the strangest thing that anyone could do. I mean, I grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey. It is predominantly an immigrant community. And, and so. Me you know, too. We, How weird is that? <laughs> wait, what town? Literally. <laughs> I grew up in Elizabeth too. Oh, that's amazing. And so we have the same experience in terms of just the conversations we have within the community, just the conversations we have with our family and our friends. It's very similar. And so when you get to a point where that you achieve that idealized American dream, and then you say, oh, it's not for me, there is that sense of, wow, you become so privileged. You become that person. And then I have to remind people that the, uh, the sacrifices our parents made and those before them brought us to a point where we should have choices, choices just like anyone else. And if we don't make that choice, then again, too, repeating that their sacrifice, you know, was for naught. And so you making these choices is so awesome and amazing because we need more people like us. We need more people with our experience to achieve a level of financial independence. And because then our voices get heard, then we can focus on the things that matter. And ultimately, we can change the conversations that uplift our communities and our country. Yeah, that, that is so powerful. Now, I'm curious, did something specifically happen that made you be like, okay, I can't do this anymore? Or was it just kind of like a slow progression or realization that you had? The slow burnout. And so I had the quintessential really great job. I love the people I worked with. I love the work I did. I was paid well. And when I gave my resignation, it took me over seven months to actually leave. My board of directors, my executive team, they kept trying to convince me to stay and giving me every single incentive to stay. So I already knew I felt valued and I knew that I was making a contribution because Working towards something, whether it's something we do or as part of an organization, is part of our well-being, that occupational wellness. But something else was missing, and I didn't necessarily know what that was. And I just kept burning the midnight oil, and I found myself talking to myself and going, I work hard. I'm going to party harder. And so when you're trying to now burning both ends of the candle, it's, you get to a point that you're burnt out. And... Our mind has this powerful trick 
to talk us into believing what we're feeling isn't real. We can get through it until our body falls apart. When we're unable to get out of bed, when we feel tired and sick and lethargic, that's when our body is telling us, listen, you need to pay attention to that little voice in your mind saying it's time. And whether you love your job or you don't like your job, when you start hearing yourself, talking to yourself, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And then you find yourself just working even harder and harder. It's not going to quiet that voice. You're just going to run down your, your mind and your body and you're going to start developing these physical symptoms. And for me, I started, I developed vertigo. So there are moments I would, I couldn't figure out and it wasn't being dizzy. It was like everything looked weird and strange. I developed back issues and I started going to my doctor who were telling me that my levels were really off and I had high cholesterol. I had, uh, uh, blood pressure issues. And, but when they did, they dug deeper, they realized, okay, there's nothing physiologically wrong with me. There's something else. So she started talking to me about stress and I'm like, no, I'm not stressed. I love what I do. I love the work I'm doing and I'm paid well. I'm not stressed. And then she goes, something is wrong because you keep coming here every other week telling me you have these symptoms. And we can't find out what it is. So she got me into that path of figuring out and, and understanding that when we look at wellness as, as a whole, it's not just about the financial rewards. It's not just about the occupational rewards. There are other aspects of it. That's why I mentioned like when personal finance, I like talking about the mental, emotional, and physical aspects because that is part of this wellness wheel, this being that we are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, God. I think so many of us um, are programmed to just accept that stress is something normal and something that we should just learn to deal with, right? And, you know, to a certain extent, there's always going to be things that quote unquote stress you out in life. But when it becomes chronic, I think you almost become unaware because it just becomes this like normal state of being for you until something crazy happens. Like you literally have like a nervous breakdown or, um, you know, you have a, an anxiety attack or something like it just your body develops a tolerance for the chaos and it's it's scary right like (laughs) i'd love to find out more about your kind of wellness journey and how you started to heal from these things that you were experiencing what did that look like yeah and kind of to your point in terms of our baseline the new baseline when it comes to chronic stress and i want to stress that because chronic stress is a debilitating issue and it wears down our mind and our body. And then all of a sudden, we don't even know why we're feeling the way we're feeling. We don't know why our body is run down. Then ultimately, we start working harder just to make enough money to pay for medical bills. And the cycle continues where we then get really dependent on the work because of the income just to pay for the prescriptions we need to put into our body in order to feel better about ourselves. And then for me, I needed to look at the root issue. And part of my wellness journey started when I had two doctors, one in California and one in New Jersey. And it was interesting the different type of approaches they had to my issues when it came to my physiological problems. One wanted me to take a bunch of prescription medication. And the other wanted me to try something called meditation and yoga and walks. And I'm like, California, I swear, as a Jersey boy, I was like, something is up with California and this woo-woo science. And I was really contemplating taking the prescriptions and then reading the side effects. And I go, and I said to myself, this is really strange. 
what it's trying to cure is potentially the worst case scenario that will happen. And so I said, let me listen to this Stanford doctor, you know, Stanford University doctor. So it wasn't just someone off the street who said, let's, let's try a different approach. Let's look at your lifestyle. And that was probably the first time someone mentioned I needed to look at my lifestyle. So I started having conversation with a general practitioner about how I was living my life and how much work I was actually uh, spending at the desk. And that to me was really powerful. And eventually I realized one day I was at work and I couldn't breathe. And I had to go through that process of holding my breath just to catch myself. And I wasn't moving. I wasn't active. I was just sitting at my desk and all of a sudden I felt everything was closing in. I couldn't breathe. And when I held my breath and then finally released it, then there was a flush of air into my lungs. And I was like, oh, this is relaxing and I, I can get back to work. And for me, it was, let me just get back to work. It wasn't like, oh, something's wrong with me. I need to go to the hospital. Let me just get back to work. Let me get through this and get back to work. And then when all these things started happening and I started expanding my conversations and started listening to more and more people, I knew I needed to make a change. And one of the things that I started sharing more vocally and more publicly, because it's really personal to me, is that there's one night I was laying in bed in my Palo Alto apartment. All of a sudden I woke up and with the sense of panic and I was deep asleep. And then I was just staring at my ceiling and this overwhelming feeling came over me and I just started crying. I used to say tearing up, but I'm going to admit I started crying. No clue why. I got myself out of bed, I opened my sliding door into my balcony, and I stared out at the night sky, and I still remember, it was kind of foggy, and I said to myself, there's something wrong. But then it was the first time I actually verbally and loudly said, God, I need help. And I think hearing those words come out of my mouth was something my brain needed to kind of kick me in the right direction because I never voiced I needed help. And that moment when I said I needed help changed the trajectory of my life because then I started listening a little bit more. And yeah, it did take some time. So, but that was really a pivotal moment. And that was the moment where I said I needed to change the things I was doing and the conversations I was having. And I needed to look something a little bit deeper. And that's where it got me to the point where when I was offered the successor CEO route, I said no. And I resigned instead, and I found myself backpacking around the world, uh, going through 20 countries in 12 months. And it was that I was having these conversations. Again, people tell me, you're so lucky. You're American. You have all these opportunities. And here I am going, wow, I just said no to those opportunities and seeking the unknown, taking the risk, but then realizing that this is my life. It's the only life I get to live. And do I really want to spend it stressing? And do I really want to spend it doing things that I know I'm good at, but not necessarily fulfilling me? And I really didn't even know what was going to fulfill me. And that's kind of the, 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 the debate in our minds when we're, we're searching for financial independence and why I talk about financial wellness. I want more people to think about what matters most to them on their journey to financial independence, because you don't figure it out. When you achieve the goal, you learn about it on the journey. That is so powerful. 
I imagine that there are some people who are listening and thinking to themselves, okay, well, that's great. You can quit a job and like backpack around the world. Clearly you had a lot of money. How did you do that? <laughs> so I, I didn't have a million dollars in sitting in an investment account. And again, growing up where I lived in 17 different homes. So we were that family in Jersey moving around because we were a big family and a lot of apartments don't like big families. And then, so we were trying to make do and kind of squeezing five kids in a two bedroom apartment, what have you. And getting to a point where I got two degrees, just like you and getting into that corporate ladder, it was just making better financial decisions. And, but I'm, and I'm going to be truthful here. I still and and in the recent past, just make financial mistakes. We all do, and that's natural. But one of the key things that I've learned was just investing in my retirement accounts. I, I didn't know a initial conversation I had with a financial advisor at the credit union I worked for in Jersey. When she sat me down during lunch and she goes, you need to put 10% into a 401k. And I'm like, I can't afford it. She goes, you can't afford it because what are your expenses? And it's not much. So that, with her Australian accent, it's seared into my brain that 10% was the number, and I did that. And so I didn't even know I was doing or making. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. In the right financial decision, putting in 10% of my salary into the 401k. But ultimately, I had that dream. As I mentioned, I wanted to go buy a house because that's part of the American dream, right? You get a job and then you get this big, beautiful home. And so I was saving up for that. And when I decided I wanted the non-traditional path, I chose to use my down payment for this home in what would have been San Jose 
to backpack around the world. And I wanted to stretch my money as long as possible. And I wasn't into like going online, trying to figure out how to stretch the dollar. It was just that innate idea of like, I'm going to be able to find deals wherever I travel and, and going to places like Southeast Asia, Western Europe, Central America. It's finding those places that the dollar can be extended for far longer. And so it wasn't like I had hundreds of thousands of dollars and I needed to do this. It was literally, I did the math recently. It was a little over $10,000 uh, that, that I spent in one year. So in one year, that's how much I spent traveling the world and going to over 20 countries. And that was kind of that experience that said, oh, it is possible. And, and so with that said, I came back in a better position than most because I still had my investments that was, was sitting there. I had stock options for my companies that I executed. And so I was doing all these minor things I didn't know was setting me up for financial independence. And it, it worked out in a way because I was allowing these people to kind of guide me because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I love that story. Wow. I think it speaks to this idea that like we really tend to have more tools in our tool belt than we probably think, right? But just it's about kind of limiting your perspective of what's possible that keeps us stuck in these roles and ideas and jobs and whatever of who we need to be. I, I love the fact that, you know, you were basically creating an FU fund without even knowing it, right? I think everybody needs an FU fund because, yes. you know, whether or not you want to travel and backpack across 20 countries or you just want to leave a toxic job that's like no longer serving you, we all need some sort of parachute in place to to just be able to make that leap and give ourselves that space to just reassess. So many of us get into almost what I call autopilot, where we're just kind of going through the motions of life. We're checking off all the boxes. But we don't take enough time to really assess, am I still happy doing this? Do I still want to do this? Is this even aligned with who I am as a person anymore? And when you have the opportunity to take that step back without the pressure of having to pay the bills, I think that opens up a lot of possibilities and, and kind of helps us get past a lot of these limiting beliefs that stop us from being our most authentic selves. Absolutely right. And I think people are afraid to ask the question if they are happy because we're afraid to hear ourselves say we're not and then we may think we're ungrateful for the things that we have. And then it causes us the psychological issues and the mental health. And so for me, I think it's important for us to take the pause, reflect on where we are, be grateful for what we've accomplished, but also be truthful with ourselves. Ask the question, what brings joy and happiness into my life? And if you realize what you're doing doesn't bring joy and happiness, it's okay. And that is a step in the right direction. Then you can start making the plan, creating the strategy in order to move towards to that vision for your life. And so for me too, I think that denial, and it seems like we're very similar in terms of we pour ourselves into our work and there's a lot of self-worth when it comes to that. And but part of that too is that when work no longer satisfies the need of like for our self-worth or our contribution in that wellness wheel, then it really, really messes us up. And we get to a point where we say we need to make a change. And I don't want people to wait until they get a heart attack. I don't want people to wait until they get a stroke. 
I want people to wake up as soon as possible. And I've become a big proponent of really what I call the roadmap to financial wellness, which includes financial independence and financial freedom. And as I mentioned, why I love what you do, it's because you are giving voice to the voiceless. You are sharing your story and in particular, the importance of multiple diversified passive income streams. Because at the end of the day, and I like to stress this, it is great to have an investment portfolio and believing we can withdraw 4% and not impacting it. But I have been doing this for a number of years and the people who are most successful, less stressed and more secure have diversified income streams. And that has to do with, there are things we can't control. We can control aspects of our life. There, there's pieces of that. I'm big on controlling our thoughts, controlling our actions and our decisions. But there are external factors such as the pandemic. Who knew the pandemic was going to happen and it's going to impact us in a way. And so for me, I wasn't immune to the economic fallout of the pandemic. I actually lost an income stream. The vast majority of my income comes from speaking gigs. I'm very fortunate. I'm a five-figure speaker. And they're all canceled. And so I was stressed. But then I realized, well, I have other means. Then the market crashed and go, wow, my portfolio has just dropped. But then I calmed down because I realized I had saved over two years to pay for my basic living expenses in a conventional high-yield savings account. And so with that said, like learning the tips of the trade, especially when I started having these conversations with people all around the country and specifically looking for financial independence and retiring early, I didn't know I was really financially secure and I retired early before the age of 30. So I didn't know I felt I already was that mold. But going back to the point of you and the work you're doing, why I love it, it's because when I was introduced to the movement, it was just a bunch of tech bros and engineers making $200,000 a year telling people that they can retire and quit their jobs by spending 20% and saving 80. And I go, well, it's easy if you're making $200,000, but if you're making 40,000, it is quite impossible. And so now I'm hearing more and more of our voices, more and more of our faces representing what it means to be financially independent. And I love it because the more people who are financially independent, the more people who can do the work that needs to be done and you're doing it. That's why your education on side hustles, I love it because I've done so many side hustles. I still do them. I do them for fun because I like to know what I'm talking about. But also I realize some of the things that keeps us up is just that we're doing something. And so that's part of this whole journey of wellness. It's not just getting your finances right. It's not just getting to the state of mental and emotional and physical well-being. We also feel like we need to be contributing. And so when it comes to this idea of we're going to quit and not do any work, you're probably finding out you're doing a bit more work, but it's more joyful and enjoyment. And so it's not that you're working less, you're working it's more. So true. Yeah, but, but it's, I, I'm oh seeing my God, like, I'm working so much. <laughs> and, but so I, I'm a big believer in seasonality. And that's kind of one of the key things that, yeah. that I also like to stress with people. It's not about balancing our work life. It's about the seasons of our creation mode. And so it's important for us to know that there are periods where we're going to create. 
There are periods we're going to promote whatever it is that we create, and there's a period of relaxation. And that can happen within the same month or within a year or within a number of years come together. So when I look at my history, I was like, wow, I work relentlessly working 12, 15, 16 hours a day for years. And then I took a break, my relaxation period for an entire year. Then I was in this mode of trying to figure out what my next mode was. Then I went ham again and started working 20 hour days. But um, knowing that I, I wanted to do this and it was something more purposeful, I became more intentional with the work and the projects that I undertake. And I think that's also important for anyone looking at achieving a financial independence. That's why I like to talk about financial well-being because you need to take care of yourself today because you have a lifetime uh, and you want to make sure too, you don't work yourself out. Doing the work that you love, that by the time you get the, the accolades and the financial rewards, you're too sick to enjoy it. And so there is that when it comes mm. to it, yeah, I want you to enjoy your day, but also plan for a better tomorrow. And and there is a math. You could do the math to figure out what, what that is and how to do it. Man, uh, this is such a great conversation. I want to touch on something that I've heard you mention a couple of times is this wellness wheel. Can you talk to us? What is that? So I thought I came up with it. And I think that is something we all, when we're creating stuff, it's just all our experiences kind of merge together and we're trying to frame or create a system around it. And then I started writing about this idea that our financial, mental, emotional, physical well-being are all connected, and they truly are. And as I dug deeper, I realized that psychologists for decades have talked about this wellness wheel. There are seven or eight components, depending on the wheel that you're looking at, but it talks about when, as a being, we need to look at the different aspects of what it means to be well. It's not just getting our finances right, that is a component of it. It is mental, as I, I mentioned, the mental wellness, emotional well-being, physical well-being, occupational, which is work, relational well-being, which is the interactions uh, we have with our family, our friends, our community. That is also important. And environmental well-being. And in other places, to sexual wellness. So seven or eight, depending on where it is. And understanding that these are all connected and integrated. So when you get to a point where you're financially well, you might wonder why you still feel dissatisfied and don't have a sense of purpose. And if you're the type who sacrifice building relationships with colleagues and friends, then you've kind of said, I am relational well-being isn't important. But then at the end of the day, when you are stressed and you need to kind of release, you need people who see you for who you are and you need friends who could just get you out of the environment that you're in. And so they all interact with each other. And I do encourage people to look at the wellness wheel and say, as I'm achieving financial wellness, I'm, I'm relieving mental stress. I'm getting better with my emotions. My body feels better. Look at the other pieces that make us feel well. And that's why when I look at folks who have retired early and the conversations, well, they didn't really retire because they're working. I go, because work, we all understand, we realize has meaning. But for most of us, we're working just for an income and the income isn't enough to satisfy the missing pieces of that wheel. And so for me, again, too, relating back to this wellness wheel is just start thinking about, about it as in terms of an integrated 
holistic aspect of yourself. That is so powerful because I think a lot of us have this idea that like there's one thing that we're missing in life. And if we just get that one thing, we will be happy and everything will be fine. And then you get it and you're just like, wait, I'm still not whole. I'm still not fulfilled. So this idea that there are so many different aspects of our being that tie into each other, that collectively form what we experience in the world. I think that's such an important reminder, right? And and I think it also ties back to this idea that a lot of personal finance people, brands, media, et cetera, don't necessarily talk about the importance of like the mental health aspect of managing your money. So what do you think the greater personal finance space is kind of getting wrong? And what's your advice for people? What the general mass media gets wrong about personal finance is focusing too much on the tactics as opposed to the vision and the motivations behind why we want to achieve financial and life goals. Whenever I read articles, it always focuses too much explicitly on tactical aspects of fixing your budget or doing X, Y, and Z. And we need to talk more about the underlying reasons why we work hard to earn money. It's because we want to create a life of joy and fulfillment. And we don't have enough about that. And it, it's somewhat changing in, in kind of in parts of the personal finance space. But in general, it, it's, it's still lacking because it is much more, and I want to say clickbait worthy to talk about here are three steps to budget or here are, here's the one thing you need to do to pay off a hundred thousand dollars in debt. But when you read the story, and if you read the story the way I read the story, I always start asking the questions, well, what are the other components? And they often gloss over the mental and emotional challenges. And one of the things that I've been also breaking the taboo on is connecting that emotional and, and mental issues that come along with kind of the financial distress. And so, yes, I am stressed because I'm living paycheck to paycheck and there are moments I was living paycheck to paycheck while telling me these are the five steps I need to do isn't going to solve the underlying issue. And we need more conversations on what's causing me because then we talk about mental stress and I, and I meet many people who tell me they're feeling a lot of mental stress because yes, they're making money, but then they're not getting the opportunities at work to move up the corporate ladder and gain income because of societal uh, systemic issues that creates a mental toll. But mass media don't really want to cover that. And so that's kind of one of the big things. So it's really, really important to discuss that. And again, as I mentioned, as you break the taboo and connect mental health to financial well-being, we're getting more and more people talking about it. And hopefully the bigger media catches on and says, let's go a little deeper. Because at the end of the day, again, I've been doing this for like seven years, Janice, seven years. And it is the same tools, the same tactics. And I keep saying, we do not need more budgeting apps. We do not need more of X, Y, Z to get out of debt. It is the same thing. It exists. What we need more is thoughtful and human conversations on why these things perpetuate. And we're doing the work. I absolutely agree. And I'm a big believer that in order for us to really change 
the trajectory of our communities in this space, we have to talk openly about our struggles, right? Because a lot of these mainstreamers, you know, they are millionaires already. They are already financially successful and they're giving people advice, you know, that are living paycheck to paycheck and, and sort of using this tactic of shame and, um, you know, that you're, you don't have your financial shit together because you're just not disciplined enough or you just don't want it enough. And that's so toxic. I mean, I think it just perpetuates this idea that like we are not worthy of what we want. You're right. And I want to let all the listeners know you are worthy of what you want. You are worthy of living your best life. And part of that is shutting the the doors to the information about shame and guilt around our personal money stories and our struggles, because we all have them. And for me, it was important to focus on my financial wins, because I felt like if I would drown in my financial messiness, but it's liberating when I can actually start sharing that I was bad with credit card debt, that Guys, on average, actually spend more money. We have a bigger spending problem than women. It's just we spend on bigger items. And so I like to open that up. And one key thing that that I wanted to mention because it, it came back into my mind is that when I started this journey and I was reaching out to mass media to talk about the importance of financial wellness and spending habits, Mass media didn't want me to talk about budgeting and personal finance. They wanted me as a man to talk about investing and just retirement. These were people, journalists and anchors telling me that's what people want to hear from me. And I'm like, well, that's, I want to talk about frugality and, and shopping and spending. And they're like, we have people like that. And then that's why when I meet and I support women, uh, who focus on investing and helping others invest. It's because they were told, no, you don't get to talk about investing. You can only talk about household finance. And so part of that too is just this rationalization. And again, putting us back into like these, these categories and putting us back to in terms of like the shame and guilt that we have because we don't know how to invest and the shame and guilt we have because we don't know how to budget. And, and now I can see it. I can see it in the conversations and a lot of the big wig financial experts out there. I mean, like old school financial experts, they do have a very prescriptive way of dishing out their financial advice. And it doesn't really mesh well with people like us. And then we're saying, we love what you're saying, but can we modify? And they're like, no, you don't want it hard enough. You're not working hard enough. You just, don't have the right mindset. And it's true. We might not have the right mindset. We might not be working to our full potential, but don't shame me. And I think that's what it is. It's like these older adults shaming us, criticizing us and yelling at us that we're just bad with money and just listen to them as opposed to actually having a conversation. So now there are more voices in the personal finance space that we can hear. And, and I am okay. I've kind of no longer have shame or guilt or embarrassed that I'm a financial mess. And I'm okay with that because it is a journey. At the end of the day, these big financial experts may shame me into calling up a debt consolidation company because I went over on my credit card and say, oh, you should have just worked really hard and pay it off. I'm like, I could have, but I just don't have the resources and the mental bandwidth. And this is an actual resource for me to get out of debt. So for me, I go, 
there is a solution to every financial situation. And that's kind of what I love leaving people off with because financial stress is one thing that we can address. And because the other parts all connect to it the, in that wellness wheel. So we can address financial, uh, the financial aspects of it. But the first part, as we talked about, is mindset, shifting the mindset and then dealing with the shame and guilt, that relationship with money. And once we get through that, and I'm not going to say you say, oh, I am no longer shamed about my money story. It is a process. I am still going through the process. So so everyone understand, I am still going through the process. Many people have achieved a level of financial success, but I'm telling you, there are still moments I do make financial mistakes and it's okay. It's okay. Absolutely. We will never be done learning and evolving as human beings. So I think we need to just get out of this idea that like at some point you will be perfect. That's not, it's not going to happen. So the sooner we let that go, the better. And I love that you touch on on mindset because I'm a big believer in manifestation and um, meditation. And so I'm curious, I ask this to all of my guests, what is your money mantra? It's simple. I am grateful and it's all encompassing. And when I do this each and every day in the morning, during the day, and when I go to sleep, I am grateful. It reminds me of the things that I stress about that I shouldn't because ultimately I woke up in the morning and I'm able to sleep at night. And so that's why for me, it's all encompassing. And I did have those small other mantras and money and wealth that's coming my way. And as I've gone through the process, it's just, I guess for me, my own personal laziness and Jenny's, I can be lazy. It's just saying, saying, I just want to say one thing. I am grateful is, is such a powerful thing. And a note to those, because I am all about wellness and I love that you're into manifestation. And I am a yoga teacher and a breathwork specialist. This is part of my journey. It is, I believe when we achieve and attain financial security, we should be able to do more of the things that we enjoy. And so I just don't talk about money. I do a lot of yoga poses and breath work. And the interesting thing is that I learned the power of I am. So in yoga, we have om, the sound om. And I am is very similar to that sound. And so what that is, it's a call to the universe. And interestingly enough, because I am into science, I'm, I'm a geek this way. I'm into science. I'm into space. And they've learned that when they put a radio telescope out into the universe, there is a sound, a radio wave that comes back. And that radio wave is the sound. Um. So there's that connection of understanding that I am is such a powerful tool to manifest because it is the first sound of the universe. And whether you go this Jason's hokey and he's, he's out there, well, when you become financially secure, you can be a little bit hokey and out there because you're, you're a bit freer. So I want you to be your most pure, hokey and weird self and financial freedom allows you to do that. <laughs> I love that. that. And that's so true. When you are not beholden to somebody for a paycheck, you can do a lot of shit that you can't do <laughs> when you're worried about somebody signing that check. That um, is so true. Gosh, Jason, this has been an amazing conversation. We have to do this again. For folks that want to find out more about you, follow your journey, work with you, where's the best place to find you? 
So the best place to find me is on Instagram and Twitter and also my website, Frugal. And it's spelled differently. It's P-H-R-O-O-G-A-L. And that has a lot to do with I'm not about being cheap. I'm about being intentional with the dollar. So spending on the things that matter. And you can, again, DM me on at Frugal on Instagram where I'm a bit more active and, of course, Twitter as well. And so let's connect and let's have a conversation. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.